It's recording right now. There you go. Okay. Thank you. Okay, I guess we need to get started. Yeah. I'm not Sean. You're not Sean? No. You look just like him. Do I? Why, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, so we're going to be looking at Psalm 139 today. Oh, good. So, uh, and I had to thank Will for the last song because he knows my name. That's Psalm 139 as well. And uh, I'm going to break it up into five sections, and I'm not going to read the entire psalm to begin with. I'm just going to read one section at a time, and then I'm going to... I'm going to take a chance and do what I used to do in Sunday school for years. I'm going to read that section, and the first thing I'm going to say is, okay, any thoughts, comments, or questions on what we just read? And, 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 and if, if, you, if you have thoughts, comments, or questions, then you're to, you're, you're to join in. And, and, and if you cover everything I wanted to cover, then... We'll just move on. Otherwise, we'll go verse by verse through that section and uh, see how that works. So something new, something different. Let's pray. Our great God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and mercy to us. Fresh and new every morning. We thank you for your word and and the uh, privilege we have of of studying it together and, and teaching it. We pray, Lord, that you would speak to us through it. You know our heart. You know what we're going through. You know the word we need to hear. So we pray, Lord, you would open your word and we would behold wondrous things out of your law. Open our ears. Make us attentive. Open our hearts. Make us submissive. And open our wills that we might be obedient. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Psalm 139 is addressed to the choir master. It's a psalm of David, and the psalm divides into five parts, according to me. The first six verses deal with, I was going to say, if I had to title this, you know, John said, well, fearfully and wonderfully made, and I said, I thought about that. Or how about the Omni Psalm? You know what Omni means? Yeah. All. All, yeah. And, and because the first six verses uh, cover the omniscience of God, everything that, that he knows. Then uh, verse 7 through 12, the omnipresence of God. You can't get away from them. And then 13 through 18 is the omnipotence of God. And most of you are familiar with that part of Scripture. And uh, then verses 19 through 22 it deals with the enemies of God, and then 23 and 24, that great prayer of, of David at the end. John was in here earlier, uh, Wiley, and began quoting that. He asked me what I was going to teach on when I teach him for Ben, and I said, well, Psalm 103. And then he started quoting it. And I said, oh boy, I'm in trouble. <laughs> oh, he's a great guy. Anyway... Uh, let's start at verse 2. Okay, and, and we'll read the first seven verses, of six verses. Psalm 139.2 says, uh, well, verse 1, O Lord, thou hast known me. 
Thou hast searched me and known me. And verse 2, you know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. Verse 3, you, you search out my path. Now be thinking about what we're reading here. Search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. So these first six verses deal with what we would call the omniscience of God, omniscience. The fact that, that David starts off with, O Lord, thou, thou hast searched me. And, and, and the word uh, rendered search uh, has a primary reference to, to searching the earth by, by boring or digging as for water or for metals. For example, in, in Job 28.3, Job 28.3 says, Man plans an end to darkness and searches, there's the word, out the farthest limit, the ore in gloom and deep darkness. But then the word also means to search accurately or closely. And David says, you've searched me and you've known me. All right. I skipped over what I told you I wanted you to do. I read the first six verses. Any thoughts, comments, or questions on the first six verses? I want to tattoo that on the inside of my eyelids. Wonderful. You want to tattoo <laughs> it on the inside of your eyelids? Yeah. All six verses? Yeah. <laughs> well, that'd be a good way. At least put it on my refrigerator. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the beauty of, of so many of the Psalms, isn't it? And that's the beauty of this one. I, I told my sister, this is just all, I finally got in touch with, I have a twin sister. She's a Mennonite. And they, they're living right now for the last five and a half years in Guatemala. Her two sons moved down there. And, of course, they started a Mennonite church down there. And, and so I haven't been able to get in touch with her for years. And I guess they upgraded, you know, to smartphones. <laughs> And, and so she, she texted me, and I was just so excited to be able to, to get to talk to my twin sister after all these years. And so this morning, uh, I told her, you know, uh, she said she's gonna, she was getting ready to go to church, and of course, they have to have an interpreter because it's Spanish, and they haven't been able to master Spanish. And I said, well, I'm going to be teaching on Psalm 139. And so she texted me back, and she said, well, we just read that out loud. And I cried at how wonderful God's love is for us, you know. And so uh, hopefully Psalm 139 will inspire you that, that, that same way. Uh, David says uh, that, that you've known me. So that, that means that the God knows all about our past. Too, and that, that Mike taught on, he knows my name, or they sung about that song, he knows my name, and that the, the sermon was on our name, you know, that he's given us a name, or that we, our name is important, what's yeah. in a name, you know, that this whole thing, he searched us and known us, he's known us from the yeah. beginning, he knows us. And I had, I had to thank Will, I don't know if you were here when I mentioned that, I thank Will afterwards, I said, you know, I appreciate the last song you sang because that's Psalm 139. He knows my name, you know. He knows everything there is to know about everything there is to know about me. 
and, and, and yet he still loves me and he still loves us. God, God knows everything there is to know about, about us. God knows everything there is to know about everything there is to know. And he has perfect knowledge of, of all things. Act, Acts 15, 18 says, known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. So that, that tells us that we, we can't keep, <coughs> we can keep no secrets from God. I thought it said we can keep no secrets, but anyway. Uh, we can keep no secrets from God. Uh, and this is, this is both frightening and comforting. Why is the fact that, that God knows everything about us frightening? Because he's holy. Because he's because holy. Stuff we don't want him to know. Because he knows everything about us. So That's what does this say when he saw, you know. Woe is me. Holy. Yeah. What did Job say, behold, I'm, I'm vile. Yeah. Yeah. Compared yeah. to him, we're pretty... Yeah, <laughs> and that was a wonderful song we sang too. You know, I think Will likes that. Uh, uh, once again, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I trying to remember the words. I see the word and uh, broken inside. You know. Anyway, uh, it's frightening because I can't keep anything <laughs> secret from God, and it's comforting. Uh, to me, because God knows who I really am and what I'm really going through at all times, and he cares. What does Peter tell us in 1 Peter 5, 7? He says, casting all your care upon him. Why? Because he cares for us, because he cares for you. He, he's known my past, which is sometimes hard for us to get past ourselves, isn't it? Yeah, I like one of the contemporary songs, You Can Get Past Your Past you know, true faith in Jesus Christ. And then now David goes on in verse 2 to say, you know when I sit down and when I rise up. So God knows our present. And I was wondering, you know, as I thought about this, why would God pay attention to when I sit down and when I rise up? Make sure we're not being lazy. <laughs> yeah, that works. Yeah. Because it he cares about everything. He cares about not only uh, uh, he cares about what our not only our past but also our present, uh, and, and and he knows what's going on uh, in our lives right now in the present. Then David said, "You you discern my thoughts from afar." He knows what we're thinking. Now that's a scary thought. How many times have I said to myself, "I'm sure glad they don't know what I'm thinking." <laughs> Because if you did, you wouldn't like me, you know, because you would probably, I, I would probably, I'm reading an excellent, I just finished an excellent book by, by an old, old Puritan, John Flavel, on, on uh, keeping your heart, you know, from Proverbs, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life, uh, and, and, and I know my heart, it's exactly what Jeremiah says, it, it's, it's extremely wicked, uh, and, 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 and I have to keep it in check, and I have to work on keeping it in check 24-7. Because, like, you know, you say with the poisonous snake, you got your foot on its head, and you got to keep it there until you kill it. Otherwise, if you lift up your foot, it's going to turn and bite you. Uh, and, and it's been very humbling and very searching and, and, and very wonderful uh, 
to be reminded of how diligently we need to keep our own hearts and, and our own thoughts. I used to tease the kids in school, you know, and I, I would say, do you know what I'm thinking? And they'd, of course, say no. And I'd say, I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, most days, we, we do not want people knowing what we're thinking, but God knows our present actions and the thoughts and the motives behind them. Verse 3, you search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. My path would be my well-trodden pathways, the paths I like to take, the way I like to do things. God knows that and understands all that. He knows why I do what I do, uh, and he knows what I like to do. Uh, and, and praise the Lord, some of the things I like to do, he lets me do, like what I'm doing right now. Verse 4, even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. God knows what we want to say, uh, the good things and the bad things, the things I don't know how to express. God knows that. Do you raise your hand, John? No. Oh, okay. Well, be careful. I thought you went like that. I was going to so it's told to that man. <laughs> so, since God knows our every thought and the words before they even are formed on our mouths, our tongues, we'd better be careful to think before we speak, right? Verse 5, you hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. To hem in means like when you besiege, a city was being besieged. And they were hemmed in all the way around so that the citizens in the city had no way of getting out, no way of escaping. Uh, so that it, you, you hem me in, you closely surround me, David says, so that there's absolutely no way of escape. This is uh, the idea here that, that God was on every side of him, that he could not escape in any direction. So we can't get away from God. Uh, and David said, and you laid your hand upon me. That is, if I try to escape in any direction, David saying, I find your hand laid upon me. I talked about the King James, that was, I was going to say thine hand upon me. Uh, we were talking about different translations this morning. I was born and raised and weaned on the King James, and then I got carried away with the New International, and then I had the New American Standard for what I say, two weeks, and, <laughs> and now I use the New American Standard. So if you don't recognize what I have, that's the, the ESV. What did I call it? New American Standard. Oh, I'm sorry. Blame it on my age. Anyway, uh, David says, your hand is upon me, and so my escape is, uh, is, is impossible. Uh, and then verse 6, such knowledge, David says, is too wonderful for me. It's high, I cannot attain it. Such knowledge, in vernacular terms, in my modern terms, such knowledge just blows my mind. I have trouble, you know, wrapping my mind around the fact that God knows everything there is to know about everything there is to know, and he knows everything there is to know about me. And that he loves me still. John. I mean, the comfort in that, and I... I think it's about the whole thing is that there's, um, we, I think we, it's good for us to be under authority and under, under accountability. Yeah. Um, and, and I know that no matter how private I tend can be or my thoughts are, 
I know I'm still accountable to God. Amen. And I think that's good. Because without accountability and authority, there's chaos. You get, then you get Seattle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, and it's good. You can fight it or you can accept it and rejoice in it. And we need to accept it and rejoice in it, don't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that God holds us accountable. Uh, especially if we're his children. He doesn't, yeah. So that's the omniscience of God. Now we, we come to the next section, verses 7. Uh, beginning at verse 7, so I'll read this next section and then open it up for any thoughts, comments, or questions. Uh, verse 7 says, where, where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The light is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. So this is the second omni, the omni, omni, omnipotence of God. Uh, any thoughts, comments, or questions? I appreciate this one because I really don't like dark. I don't like to go out at night by myself. Yeah. I have never cared. I mean, I like, I'll be with my husband fine outside, but if I have to go to the store at the nighttime, it's not my favorite time. Yeah. And to know that light and dark are the same to him, and he's always, it's not a scary place for him. He's yeah. there in the tallies, and that's that's assuring, you know. It's yeah. very good. Yeah. That it's, he's good with it. And <laughs> well, you're not the only one that's afraid to go out in the dark or to drive so at night. This is omnipresent. This is omnipresence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This will, may sound kind of odd, but this is the way I kind of can, can put my little brain around it a little bit. I think of, of God like as barometric pressure. Okay. <laughs> it's always pressing against us. Without barometric pressure, we wouldn't start. But it's anywhere I go, high or low on the earth, there's going to be pre- barometric pressing against me. And he's just waiting for me to accept and open. He's knocking at the door. And waiting for you to open up. I don't know. That's that's just the. I, I like analogies, and that's sort of the that sounds great. That I came up with. That sounds great. <laughs> but all parts of my body, he is pressing against me, inviting me to open up. Yeah, and and even you know, as believers, sometimes we feel that presence yeah. pressing in on us, uh, and and it's 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 very comforting to know he's there. Uh, good good analogy. Sounds. One thirty nine seven says David says where, where can I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence and and then he lists all the possibilities beginning in verse eight if I ascend to heaven that is to the to the highest heavens uh, or as high as I can get you'll be there if I make my bed in in the in Sheol that's another word for the grave uh, King James says hell if I make my bed in hell. Uh, we almost had a discussion about that in men's Bible study, but I passed over it, uh, saying that Jesus, you know, went to Hades. And the fellow said, well, I, I believe that Jesus. Anyway, Hades is the place of the dead. So it's the same as, as Sheol. 
when you get to Revelation, you know, Hades follows death all around uh, and then gets taken care of in, in the end. Uh, but Sheol is the grave. So uh, if I can go as high as I can, uh, you'd be there. And if I can go as low as I can get, uh, you are there. And if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. And, and be weird like, like, like John. Uh, well, no, John's not weird. but uh, My thought is if I could go to... Well, for the people in Columbus's day, if I could go to the edge of the earth and jump off, he'd be there to catch me. Mine is, if I could go past the farthest universe, he'd be there. He fills the entire universe. And, and it is amazing how many universes there are. What, what, what did Sean say? I don't know, a hundred and, well, thousands of universes out there. You thought we were big? Wow. Be big to me, my king. <laughs> okay, if I, if I were to go to, to the last universe, uh, they, you would be there waiting for me. And verse 11, I got to get my mouse to cooperate here. Verse 11, if I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, e even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day. For darkness is as light with you. And Margaret gave a wonderful commentary on that. God's presence is, is always with us. We cannot hide anything from God, for he knows all things. Nor can we hide ourselves physically from God. Wherever we can go, he's there. We can't get away from God. And this, again, is both frightening and comforting. It, it's frightening for no matter where we try to hide from God, we can't. And people have been trying to hide from God since the garden. Adam tried, and they'll still be trying at their last judgment. Revelation 6.15 says, And the kings of the earth, and the great ones, and the generals, and the rich, and the powerful, and everyone, slave and free, hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath is come, and who can stand? We try to hide from God, but we can't. So why bother? <laughs> we will all one day stand face to face with him and give an account. Uh, yeah, hiding didn't work for Adam, and it weren't work, won't work for us, and it definitely won't work for people at the end of the age. And uh, next, we come to what I'm calling the omnipotence of God. Oh, come on. So we come now, not, not only uh, the subject of what God knows about our thoughts and our actions, but what he knows about our bodies, fearfully, wonderfully made. I used to tell the kids at school, you know, I, they, they say, how are you? And I said, I'm wonderful. You are too. No, I'm not. Oh, yes, you are. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. So that makes you wonderful in God's eyes. So you guys are wonderful. You know that, don't you? What he knows about our bodies. And here I was, 
I try to get all my thoughts out before I check any of the scholars, you know. And so after I had done this, I went and I listened to a, a message by Alistair Begg. Uh, I like that guy. And, and uh, Alistair says about this section of the psalm, here's where we learn whether we are going to agree with what the Bible says is true or what modern man says is true. How we were, how we've actually been made and when. When, when were we first a human being? What does the world say? It when you came out of the womb and breathed. But until then, yeah, you, you were just a thing, just, just a fetus. Uh, but, but according to Psalm 139, we were a human from the point of conception. In fact, even before conception. Because God planned our conception, and then he planned everything that, that, that follows after it. Verse 13 says, for, for you form my inward parts, you knitted... Oh, anybody thoughts or questions? <laughs> oh, I know you do, but anyway, uh, this is perhaps uh, one of the, the most uh, quoted and, and, and focused upon passages uh, in, in Scripture concerning the right to life uh, and the sanctity of, of, of human life and where life all, all begins. And, and, and David says, says that, that you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. That's how we came to be. Verse 14, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Just look at it. Just look at yourself. It, it, isn't it amazing? Uh, Michael and John both can you know, attest because they, they know all these medical stuff how fearfully and wonderfully we're made. I mean, all the way down to, to, to our, our, our DNA. It's just, and it just, you know, it blows your mind that, that the natural man can't see that and realize that that couldn't just be an accident, that, that somebody's got to behind, be behind all that. Uh, and, and of course, well, we, we know who is, and it's our God. Uh, and... and, and the old King James says, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, and wonderful are your works, and, and that, that I know rightly. Uh, but uh, that I know very well, David says. What a, what a marvelous, complex thing the human body is. Verse 15, my, my frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. And that phrase, in the, in the depths of the earth, is, is just another... Hebrew way of expressing the womb uh, in the depths of your mother's uh, womb. Uh, verse 16, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them. The days that were formed for me, which as yet there was none of them. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. So human life starts in the womb. And and. The fetus is the person being made by God in that womb. Verse 14, I praise you and am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Okay, God has been acquainted with our physical bodies before our conception because he planned every member of your bodies. He planned the color of your eyes and the color of your hair. 
the size of your nose, the size of your feet. And then he put us all together in our mother's womb. He formed and gave us just the body and features he wanted us to have to bring honor and glory to him and make us fit with our unique bodies to fulfill our unique calling in life. You ever go to a Bill Gothard basic use seminar? Yeah. What's the very first lesson he covers? You know, accepting the unchangeables. Yeah. And, and, and uh, the fact that one of the things we need to learn is, well, the expression is God doesn't make junk. You know, God doesn't make any mistakes. Uh, God, God wanted a person just like you with your hair, with your eyes, with your nose, with your feet, with your physical features to fulfill his purpose in his plan. And you're the only one that can do it. And, and we need to realize, you know, the, how many of you don't like all your bodily figure, features, you know? I look in the mirror and it scares me every morning. Uh, and and uh, it, there are a lot of things, if I, I, if I could change them, I would. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm not rich enough to even try to do that kind of stuff. <laughs> and, uh, you wouldn't like it, in No, no. And, uh, but when I turn away from the mirror, it's a whole different story. <laughs> I kind of like that guy now, you know. Uh, and, and uh, you know, it, it really doesn't bother me, you know, because I'm behind it and you're in front of me and you're the ones that get the jar, <laughs> you know. Uh, but we'd all like to change some features of us, right? But we need to accept the way God made us, you know. Uh, why, God, did you give me that nose? You know, why, God, couldn't you give me blonde hair? You know, why, 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 why couldn't I have such a body that I never gain weight, that I'm always thin, right on? Yeah. So God knows, uh, and, and he's planned every part of you. And, and that's how intricately involved he is in our lives. And that started before we were even conceived. He planned out every last detail of our bodies. What a great and wonderful God we have. Well, you even have James that talks about looking at yourself in the mirror. Yeah. Where he says once he's looked at himself and gone away, he's immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. Yep. <laughs> it fits exactly, you know, because you're talking about how you don't like it. You like it or you don't like it, then you can walk away. Or you do like it. Maybe you made yourself beautiful, but you can yeah that person inside is that part that God knows, you know. Yeah. And that's what Peter emphasizes, you know, to wives who are living with unbelieving husbands, you know. Uh, don't worry about the outward adorning. Now, it's okay to make yourself look decent, you know, comb your hair at least, you know. Uh, but, but what's really important is, is, is the inner, inner character uh, and that meek and quiet spirit that's submissive uh, to, to your own husband. That whole section beginning in chapter 2 of 1 of, uh, Peter is dealing with submission, uh, working his way through the, the different areas of submission. Uh, he goes the opposite direction that Paul goes in when Paul talks about that. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, Psalm 3410 says, uh, those who seek the Lord, they, they lack no good thing. Verse 17, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. 
If I could count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. In my eSword program, I have all these different commentaries, you know, that I can click on. And, and, and one is this old, old guy named Albert Barnes. You ever heard of him? That's okay. You, you read commentaries I never heard of, too. Uh, but old, old Albert Barnes, uh, on, this, on, this, on these thoughts, he says, the, the remark is, is made here doubtless in view of the numberless thoughts involved in planning and forming a frame so wondrous and in the care necessary to bring it to perfection, to develop it, to provide for it, to guard and defend it. How many thoughts, you can relate to this, how many thoughts of a parent are employed in behalf of their children in providing for them, teaching them, counseling them, anticipating their needs? So how many thoughts are needful on the part of God in reference to each one of us? For there are numberless things necessary for us which cannot occupy the mind of a parent, since he cannot accomplish these things for us. They do not lie within his power. But there's so much about us again that God thinks about. And if we could count all the thoughts, we, we just can't do it. And uh, again, uh, we just keep saying, what a, what a mighty God we serve. Uh, verse 19 uh, turns uh, the psalm into one of those imprecatory psalms. That's one of those psalms, you know, where, where the psalmist calls on God to, to judge his enemies. Uh, verse 19, oh, that, that you would stay, slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. Thy, this, they speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred or holy hatred. I count them my enemies. And of course, notice that, that his hatred here is directed toward God's enemies and, and not really to, to his own. He says he hates what God hates, and of course, so should we. Anybody have any problem with that section? What does Jesus have to say about hating our enemies? <coughs> Something's changed. Something changes, doesn't it, when we get to the New Testament? Ben's been going through the Sermon on the Mount. Remember what Jesus said in, in Matthew 5, verse 43? You have heard that it was said, you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And then Paul repeats the same theme in Romans 12, beginning at verse 14, where he says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. And in verse 20, To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. And the apostle is speaking of the natural effect of the result of showing kindness to your enemies. Yes. Right at the end of chapter 12, 
It says, uh, vengeance is mine, yeah. saith the Lord. So it's telling us that we're not to take vengeance, but it does belong to Him. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Yeah. These are hard things. Yeah. Yes. They're, they're difficult for us because we we get so black and white, and we think, okay, I got to do this, and I got to do this. But we have to remember. I have to remember. Yeah. To listen to Him, mm-hmm. and that His character in me is what He desires. Yeah. To to walk as He walked and to listen. It's challenging. Yes, it is. You know, Diana. Yeah, um, that proverb about heaping burning coals yeah. on your head. Yeah. Um, the interpretation I've heard that I really like about that is that that's actually where I've heard sometimes saying that's kind of like vengeance on mm-hmm. people, but I've heard that that's actually a life-giving thing because in the in the desert. Um, they carried their fire, their their coals on their head to go from camp to camp. Yeah. And it was, so if somebody was camping and their fire went out, then in the desert at night they were in danger. And so by, by heaping coals on their head, they would go to another camp to get some fire. So by heaping coals on their head, it was actually a life-giving, saving thing that you were doing for people. Hmm. Fantastic. So you were burning them, you were giving them a way to Right, yeah, you were helping them, you were saving them. Yeah. You were well, of course, the idea is not keeping burning real live coals on, right. on, on, on the heads of, of, of your enemies. Uh, we know that, but, but the more you do good, like he says later in the chapter, we overcome evil with good. And the more you do good to them, Peter talks about this several times in, in, in First Peter, that, that we're, we're, to, we're to do return good works to our enemies so that when they accuse us, they won't have a leg to stand on uh, because uh, they'll be put to shame by our good works and embarrassed by our good works and, 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 uh, and hopefully become curious about why we return good for evil. And that's when Peter says that famous idea, you know, then be ready mm-hmm. to give an account for the hope that's in you. Uh, because we have a hope in us that they don't have. And, and, and uh, uh, so the whole idea is not to destroy your enemy, but, but like your illustration says, it is to win your enemy over, to, to overcome your enemy with with love, and y'all know the story of Corey Ten Boone and, and how that happened in the prison camps, uh, and how her sister was constantly ministering to, to not only the, the sick and infirm in the camp, but but trying to love her captors. Uh, and and uh, God's ways are the best ways. And I guess I, I try to look at that too as the context of who's writing it, and David, what he saw in his lifetime. He saw some pretty, pretty violent things, and he saw some pretty serious atrocities. And I think you know, and the, the Lord in, in Numbers says, you know, if you follow my ways, I'll send up hornets before you. Yeah. I'll be an adversary to your adversary and an enemy to your enemies. And I think that's, to me, that's what David is saying here. I want to be an adversary to adversary and enemy to your enemies. Those who are trying to, but I have my only question mark there. I have a question mark by it. It's like it was, 
it just seems like an odd time to fill that in, but who am I to determine scripture? You know, he's talking about, he, just to throw that in there by his enemies in the middle of the psalm, but, yeah. you know. My but, question, too. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not the Lord, I didn't write this, but that, yeah. that's the only question I had, is to contemplate why that, why it's there, and I thought about that a lot. Well, actually, as I was reading it, that same thought yeah. came, you know, the, why would you put this in such a beautiful psalm, you know? Uh, but again, to, uh, David was being led by the Holy Spirit, so he did what the Holy Spirit led him to do. Uh, and uh, we just got to try to figure out, you know, uh, how it fits. And uh, well, perhaps it contrasts with the next verse, because David wasn't doesn't want to fall into that. Right. You know. I'm going to that therefore. I think of, I mean, we've just been through First Kings and Second Kings, and we're doing these big, giant. We're reading them in a week, you know, reading the whole thing, and the the evil that was going on, and the stuff that I remember, you know, Samuel and David, just all the things that David endured, and the constant evil that took place around David. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think he did feel strong hatred for the the stuff that he saw, and so he's, I think he's voicing this. <laughs> just, and then yeah. the next thing you get to when he says, search me, O God, and, and know my heart, and see if there be any wicked way. Make sure I'm not in that direction. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 you know, it is right to hate the things that God hates, like sin in us, and sin in the world, and sin in others, you know. Uh, you know, I've had my son, you know, confess sin to me, and I said, well, you know, that not going to stop me from loving you. That's not going to stop you from, from being my son. And I hate what you're doing, but I, I still love you, you know, and we'll have to work through this. So we must be running out of time. I don't know if people even, I don't know, what time is it? Oh, okay. What time is it? 12.07. Who? 12.07. Oh, okay. Oh, so we still got until 1 o'clock, right? <laughs> Well, that does bring us uh, to, to David's prayer at the end of the psalm. And, and many of you can quote it in this room, where he says, Search me, O God. And remember, that means dig down deep into me and, and know my heart. And try me and know my thoughts. Well, one of the ways he tries us, you know, according to First Peter, is, is through trials, you know, that, that show the genuineness of our faith. Uh, but uh, search me, dig down deep, O God. Uh, know my heart, know my motives, know why I'm wanting to do what I want to do. And that's so important because we're sinners. And even when we have the best motives, they're still tainted by our sin, you know. Uh, and, and, and so, so Lord, uh, keep close account on my heart and, and, and try me and, and, and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous or wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So, so this is, is the psalmist's prayer and, and, it, and it should be ours. Lord, reveal the sinfulness of my heart and cause me to forsake it and walk in obedience to your revealed will. I could say some more on that, I guess. But I'm not. I'm done. That's the end of the psalm. So uh, any other thoughts, comments, or questions before we, we take off?
I just think that those last few verses are foundational for our Christian walk. And we memorize it as a family. Just Great. Yeah. Just feel, I just feel like I need this so much. And, and for the, the try me or test me and know my anxieties, um, you know, none of us likes to be tried or tested. But to me, it gives, sort of gives purpose to it. Mm-hmm. If I'm going through it, like James says, there's a purpose to it. But, um, you know, really, until we're stressed in some way, we're not, our, sometimes our anxieties will not come out. Mm-hmm. And, and, our, and our, perhaps our motives won't come out. Yeah. And so, once again, we can fight it or we can welcome it and say, you know, I think it's a good prayer daily, I mean, or at least weekly, to remind ourselves you know, you are God and I'm not. Yeah. And I welcome I welcome the trials so I can be refined more. And this to me is a, a very refining prayer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was talking to a friend this week and you know, he mentioned that he was going through the refining fire and, and I said, Well, as believers we need to learn to love that refining fire. Uh, because we all need it. I don't pray this prayer every morning, but many mornings I, I pray, Lord, search me uh, and know my thoughts uh, and, and, and reveal what I don't know about myself. Reveal my secret sins uh, so I can, I can deal with those. You know? Because I may not even be aware of them, but they're probably affecting those around me. Uh, and, and, you know, so Lord, search me, try me, know me. Uh, and, and feel free to do with me as you please. <laughs> okay, well, what was I going to say? Revealed will. That second section of that third one, the 13th through 16th, is a good one too to help someone who is having difficulty with, I don't know if you want to say loving themselves, but when children who have been abused or children who are, are adults, anybody who's who's really feels ugly in themselves. Yeah. Helping them understand that, that they are fearfully and wonderfully made. That wonderfully made is understanding that we're made in the image of God. You know, yeah. that, and whose image is there? Yeah. They, yeah, and a lot of people are wrestling with the idea of identity, you know, who they are and what they are. Yeah, uh, if they, if we, they we, understand that yeah. God is, is on, and on each one of us, maybe yeah. they were abused, maybe they were you know, told they were ugly or whatever it would be, but, but to know that he made me and, and if, if that can be changed somehow by, by expressing, showing them this scripture. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you went to middle school. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's the beauty of this psalm. It has so many applications. In, in so many different areas, and, and uh, we just need to, you know, keep asking the Lord, not only to reveal our own hearts, but to reveal, to reveal to us how we can share a psalm like this with people who are hurting, uh, and, and that's, you know, how many times have they sat down next to, or have I sat down next to a student and said, you know, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, uh, and and you may not like yourself, uh, but but God does. Yeah. And, and that's another thought I I always go with. You know, with your enemies and with people that don't like you. You know, I say, well, you know, I don't have to like you. 
I just have to love you. <laughs> and so I'll be doing the best I can. Well, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for these wonderful saints that you brought to class today. We thank you for their thoughts. We thank you, Lord, for their lives. We thank you for their witness. We pray, Lord, that you would continue to search us and try us and, and that, Lord, we'd be open and willing to let you do that. Now, Lord, be with us as we go through the remainder of this day. Continue to work in our lives and in the lives of those around us. In Jesus' name, amen. So y'all come back and see us again. I get to do this again on the 8th. So Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Well, we'll forgive you. <laughs> Lord, I come to you. Have a good afternoon. Enjoy the sun. Okay. Okay. I had a thought. Oh, wonderful. I thought. But it was on the first part. Okay. Okay, so the first verses are talking, um, it's God observing our thoughts. Mm -hmm. And then the next part talks about, like, the... Well, action is when he encloses us from before and behind and then lays his hand upon us. And then it says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. Um, it is too high. I cannot attain it. That last word kind of made me think of the concept of how um, it's hard for us to understand how free will and predestination can coexist. Yay! How about that? I was wondering. I wasn't quite sure. But, yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. Well, you know, I believe in the free will and, 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 and the, the sovereignty of God, don't you? Yes. Because it's taught in the Bible. Yes. And it, it's one of those truths that run parallel throughout, yeah. throughout Scripture, you know. And, and, uh, uh, and, and God is sovereign, and, and yes. we do have a free will. Yeah. And I was like, I like to tell people, well, that's, you know, you have a free will, and that's your problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It, but it's hard. I don't think our brains can comprehend that, but no. we have to believe it. It's no. it's the point of where we have to jump and make that faith. That yeah. faith jump is like, you said it, you say it multiple times. Yeah. I have to believe. I have to believe it. Oh. Yeah. So that, that was a little... Well, the old preacher Spurgeon used to say, yeah. you know, when we get to heaven... There'll be a sign over the door that says, whosoever will. And when we get inside and turn it around, it'll say, elect from before the foundation of the earth. <laughs> I don't think I ever heard him say that. <laughs> I'll have to look for that one. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. That's a good way of saying it, too. Well, Thank you praise, very much. Praise the Lord. Thank you for being here. Always.
pictures. Okay. Peanut butter? Put on my celery? I like that. She even put in the corner today, huh? <laughs> Must have been naughty again. Healthy food. How you been? A little bit more than okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait Depends on the day. Yep. I'm ready. I tell them every night I'm ready if you are. <laughs>